Hey folks, Andrew Packer here, and welcome to Trading Tips. Interest rates have started to come down. For the first time in 11 years, the Fed cut interest rates in July. This led to a couple little changes in the market in terms of some sectors versus others. Uh, lower interest rates obviously can impact the economy in a lot of ways, from the cost of borrowing to buy a home or a car or start a business and have a business loan. There's a lot of different ways where it impacts the economy. More importantly, it tends to impact the economy over time. So it's not really just one interest rate cut or one interest rate rise that's going to necessarily make a big shift. It's essentially the pattern. And the prior pattern was interest rates going up. Starting in late 2015, the Fed raised interest rates essentially from 0% to get up to about 2, 2.25%. Two now, back in 2015, when this first started happening, one of the sectors that a lot of analysts were really gung-ho about as a big winner were the banks. And that's because banks tend to do better in a higher interest rate environment. The rationale for that is pretty simple. It's the idea that the banks earn what's called a spread. It's the idea that if they can borrow money essentially at 0% interest and lend it out at, say, 4% interest, all of a sudden, you know, they're just making 4% on their money. It's just 4 minus 0. Once the Fed started raising interest rates, getting up to 2%, mortgage rates really didn't go that much higher. They might have gone to 5%. So their profit margin went from 4 to 3 So looking at that, you can sort of see the, the logic of, you know, necess not necessarily playing out the way people expect it to, but a lot of banks decided not to raise interest rates, which is something that they've usually done in the past for depositors. That's why before the financial crash, you could just park money in your bank account and earn 4 even 5% a year, essentially half the stock market's average annual return with none of the risk. And, you know, the bank would still be able to make a huge profit too. But again, from 2009 to, you know, 2015, when interest rates were zero, this is what happened. The banks just essentially got to lend out money and not charge anything for it. And even when the Fed started raising interest rates, and you should have started seeing a, a much bigger rise in the income that you were earning in interest on your bank accounts, banks were a little slow to react to that. So now we're looking at interest rates coming back down again, and it looks like, well, maybe the banks are going to see a shrinking profit margin from this potentially as well. Now, some folks see a lot of the big banks doing all right in this environment because there's still a lot of trading going on. There's a lot of underwriting activity. There's a lot of mergers, IPOs. There's a lot of big bucks for the big banks. But actually, when we look at this trend, there's one that's actually sort of more important if you're going to look to invest in the banking space. And that trend is just based on two numbers. The first number is 14,400, and the second number is 4,600. These two numbers come to us from the Federal Reserve. They collected data just based on the total number of banking institutions out there in the United States that had a banking charter. And this first number came in the first quarter of 1984. And then this most recent number is from 2019. So we can see that over the past 35 years, the number of banks, just in, not in terms of necessarily bank branches or anything like that, but just the number of different banks that you could go to to get a loan or to apply for a credit card or to park your money in, has declined by over almost 10,000. That's a huge contraction of the industry. It's an industry that is in consolidation. 
Now, I've known a number of people over the years who've been involved with starting up banks and starting a community bank, and you know they'll want to build it for a few years, they'll want to build their deposit base, and then they'll want to look for a bigger bank to come out and buy them. And that's why, for investors, one of the most interesting things that you can do to make money time and time again in the banking space, no matter what the broad economy is doing or no matter what interest rates are doing, is to buy into smaller banks, because this consolidation trend offsets a lot of the pain here now, what should we be looking for when we're buying some of these smaller banks? Uh, first and foremost, we should be looking at a metric called book value, or BV. This has gotten a lot of talk in the past. Uh, value investors like the book value of companies. Essentially, for a bank, the book value is the value of all of its loans outstanding, and it's sort of measured as a ratio, uh, kind of centered around the number one. If a bank is trading at $10 a share and it has $10 per share in loans outstanding, its book value would be one. But if a bank is trading at, say, you know, 0.5 book value, they could essentially call in all their loans, close off the bank, and their share price, they would be able to hand back twice as much cash to the shareholders that they would have uh, at a book value of one. So there would be a huge undervaluation there. So looking at the bank space, there are some, some opportunities today. Uh, book value will sometimes trade at a premium. And when you're a smaller bank that's looking to get acquired by your bigger bank, usually they'll pay one and a half times to even two times premium for a buyout. So get buying smaller banks that are looking to be consolidated and looking to become part of that bigger, you know, smaller banking sector by the number of institutions outstanding can be a great way to earn some excess returns in this market. Now, there are a few different ways to screen for these companies. Obviously, you can screen for banks just based on book value, uh, but you can also look into an ETF there's one that owns a lot of some of these smaller regional banks. Uh, I think there's going to be some activity more so in the middle space there because these companies are looking to you know, become part of some of the even larger mega regional banks, essentially, that are kind of a tier below the big Wall Street banks. And there is a ETF that tracks that. The ticker is... KBWR. It's the Invesco Regional Bank Fund, and it's one that's uh, it's up for the year. Even though the banking sector as a whole has been, you know, just really taking it on the chin in recent months with some of these interest rate moves, and all of the big bank names seem like they've been struggling for a few years now, uh, just you know, with the Fed policy and with all of these kind of big picture issues hanging over the markets. Uh, you know, this fund has been doing fine; it's rolling right along, and it also uh, pays investors 2.4 percent a year, which is better than a lot of the big banks, which after the financial crisis had their dividend policies essentially set by Congress and their dividends were almost entirely either eliminated or reduced by 90% or more. Smaller banks do not have that problem. They don't necessarily have to go through all the stress tests and the additional legislative uh, you know, paperwork and the, all the regulatory work that the bigger banks have to face. Uh, but the nice thing about this is we're getting into a sweet spot with banks you know, from a market cap of one to five billion. And that's a space where even though those numbers sound pretty big, there are a lot of companies in there that you know, we might not have ever even heard of. Some of the standout companies in this fund uh, include uh, Cullen Frost, ticker CFR, which looks like uh, an attractive play if you want to go kind of more into an individual company there. Uh, and there's also Webster Financial, ticker WBS. 
which also kind of gets uh, you know into the the individual play. And of course, you know, in your small town, you know, in your community, you might be finding even smaller banks that are publicly traded that have incredibly tiny market caps. Uh, these are these are companies where you know if you could look over the books, if they're publicly traded, you can get an idea of where they're trading in terms of their book value. You can look at their profitability, see how sound they are, uh, and you might actually get some huge returns out of that. Uh, plenty of investors have ended up owning shares of a company like Citigroup or Bank of America because they bought a small, their small town bank, which then got bought out, which then got bought out, which then got bought out into one of the bigger regionals and then became one of the big mega banks of today. So if you're looking for a way to earn excess returns in the banking sector and avoiding some of the fears out there uh, in this space, you know, think small. This is actually a fantastic opportunity because most of the time investors, you know, they, they only think a great company has to be big. Well, in order for a company to be big, it has to be successful while it's small and a lot of the banks fit the bill. That's why they keep getting bought out and it's why the number of, you know, bank institutions in this country continues to decline. So for, you know, banking profits, think small. That'll wrap things up for this edition of Trading Tips. Until next time, I'm Andrew Packer wishing you good trading and good financial health.